2: Finland and Sweden officially invited to join NATO.
3: Today, NATO leaders took the historic decision to invite Finland and Sweden to become members of NATO.
2: The California Attorney General release of information on firearm owners results in a breach of private personal data. What's happened here is um, is just a terrible thing. The FCC commissioner is asking tech companies to remove TikTok from app stores.
1: Apple and Google should step up right now and boot them from the app store for their misrepresentations about how your data is being accessed.
2: This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, June 30th. I'm Mike Scott. NATO has now officially invited Finland and Sweden to join the alliance, a sign of just how dramatically the Kremlin War has upended the previous military landscape in Europe.
3: Today, NATO leaders took the historic decision to invite Finland and Sweden to become members of NATO. The agreement concluded last night by Turkey, Finland, and Sweden paved the way for this decision. I would like to thank Turkey, Finland, and Sweden for accepting my invitation uh, to engage in negotiations to find a united way forward.
2: Earlier in the day, at the start of a summit in Madrid... President Joe Biden announced an increased U.S. military presence in Europe, headlined by the first permanent American forces on NATO's eastern flank and more rotating troops in the Baltic states. CNN's Clarissa Ward breaks down the historic events of the day and what it means for the shifting security landscape in Europe.
4: President Putin, when he launched his invasion into Ukraine, was calling for the Finlandization uh, of countries around Russia, and instead, what he's getting is the NATOization.
2: Ward says that NATO doctrine is changing, describing Russia now as a threat.
4: You only need to look at this new uh, strategic concept, this NATO doctrine, which has changed enormously uh, from the last one, which was penned in 2010, which described Russia uh, as a potential strategic partner and which now, in its newest incarnation, calls Russia the greatest threat to NATO allies. It does go on to say, importantly, Julia, though, that NATO does not seek any confrontation with Russia, nor does it pose any meaningful threat to Russia. But you can imagine that President Putin is watching this summit playing out and is certainly somewhat concerned uh, by what he is seeing.
2: While Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky pleaded with NATO for membership, Warren explains that right now it's not feasible for Ukraine. To
4: join earlier. We did hear uh, Stoltenberg reaffirming NATO's open door policy, but there is a sort of unsaid understanding that it would be unfeasible at this stage uh, for Ukraine to join and uh, to join the alliance. You can see uh, the desperation there when you hear Zelensky's impassioned plea. What does it take? For us to be able to to join NATO, because for Ukraine, this is an issue not just of help us support, uh, you know, the sort of violation of a sovereign nation, but it's also about we are protecting you from possible further aggressions pushing further into Europe from Russia.
2: Ward goes on to report that the situation in Ukraine is expected to get more dire as the war rages on.
4: And Ukraine understands that notwithstanding the formidable display of support, both in terms of morale and in terms of weaponry and in terms of financial support, that Ukraine is facing a very serious challenge in the east, particularly in the Donbass region, as this war goes on. Russia has got a certain degree of momentum. On its side, it has been making significant gains. They've been slow, they've been incremental, they've been plotting. There has been a large uh, rate of attrition, if you like.
2: Meantime, the Turkish defense contractor, Baikar, said it turned down $20 million in crowdfunded cash to buy its drones for Ukraine and would donate three military drones to the country instead. Baikar wrote in a statement that they would not accept payment for the TB2s and will send three UAVs free of charge to the Ukrainian war front. The Turkish company went on to say funds should be remitted to the struggling people of Ukraine. NATO leaders sought Wednesday to turn an urgent sense of purpose triggered by Russia's invasion of Ukraine into action and patch up any cracks in their unity to overcome what the alliance's chief called its biggest crisis since World War II. Russia's invasion of its neighbor shattered Europe's peace and drove NATO to pour troops and weapons into Eastern Europe on a scale not seen since the Cold War. Members of the alliance have also sent billions in military and civilian aid into Ukraine. President Joe Biden says America's military presence in Europe is also about to get bigger as NATO responds to the threat from Moscow following Russia's invasion.
0: We're going to send two additional F-35 squadrons uh, to the UK and station additional air defense and other capabilities in Germany and in Italy.
2: In a meeting with reporters, Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg says the current NATO summit is important to the context of the war in Ukraine.
3: This will be a a historic and transformative summit for our alliance. Uh, We meet uh, in the midst of uh, the most um, serious security crisis we have faced uh, since the Second World War.
2: British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says Russia's plan has backfired as NATO expands in reaction to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The first lesson,
5: really, from uh, today is that if uh, Vladimir Putin was hoping uh, that he would be getting less NATO on, uh, on his western uh, front
2: as a result of his uh, unprovoked illegal invasion of, of Ukraine, uh, he's been proved completely wrong. CNBC's Kayla Tausch says that Russia is responding to the strengthening of NATO forces.
6: Vladimir Putin this evening warned Russia would respond in kind if NATO's footprint expanded north. And he suggested he could pursue different tactics in Ukraine to achieve his goals, which he said have not changed.
2: Tausch goes on to say that Turkish President Erdogan has asked the U.S. for F-16 fighter jets.
6: President Erdogan has said he would again request new F-16 fighter jets from Mr. Biden in this meeting, which came after dropping Turkey's opposition to Sweden and Finland's membership bids. A senior U.S. official denied the two actions were linked. But the White House seemingly endorsed this deal. The Assistant Secretary of Defense for International Security Affairs telling reporters this today. Quote, the United States supports Turkey's modernization of its fighter fleet because that is a contribution to NATO security and therefore American security.
2: Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher joined the Hugh Hewitt Show to discuss NATO's move to beef up its security in light of Russia's acts of aggression and how the U.S. should make moves to do the same in the Indo-Pacific.
7: I think it's a massive uh, development that will bolster NATO's effectiveness. Uh, The early statements coming out of NATO leadership and Mr. Stoltenberg said, on balance, it increases the number of troops we have in high readiness from 40,000 to 300,000. As you mentioned, the Swedes in particular bring a lot to the table, a very capable aircraft. Uh, very capable diesel electric subs. I think this is a net positive for the alliance. Anytime you have members that are already investing in their own defense, already bring lethal assets to the table, you're making NATO stronger.
2: Gallagher says that the capabilities of the Finnish military cannot be understated.
7: Finland has significant capabilities uh, in Arctic as well, which is where the alliance has been weak, and we obviously need to work on strengthening them for land and air threats, but I think uh, with their icebreaker capability, that's going to help us uh, up north. So, on balance, this is a massive shift uh, for the better, and I think the fact that they were able to work out an agreement with Turkey, if you remember the initial concerns were from current NATO member Turkey relating to certain statements or positions that Sweden in particular had regarding Kurdish groups that the Turks consider to be Terrorists, and my understanding is they ironed out those concerns and both uh, Finland and Sweden agreed in writing to not support rhetorically or otherwise any Kurdish groups that the Turks consider terrorists. So this is a big sea change for NATO.
2: The Wisconsin congressman goes on to explain why the U.S. should bolster its defense in the Indo-Pacific.
7: Deterrence is the name of the game. Uh, you avoid war by convincing the other guy that you are indeed Willing to fight. Um, We also uh, have, I think, a lesson learned here uh, in terms of our experience with the European Defense Initiative. Uh, You know, about $16 billion worth of assets stored in in Europe that, of course, is going to make the Russians think twice. You can fall in on division's worth of gear. That's a lesson that is worth learning when it comes to the Indo-Pacific. We don't have anything of that scale in the Indo-Pacific. I actually got an amendment passed last week of the national defense Authorization Act to start with a $1 billion Indo-Pacific fund that would fund a lot of the Indo-Pacific commanders' top priorities. We have an emerging Pacific defense initiative, but the point is, uh, you can't be trying to figure this out after the war has already begun.
2: California Attorney General Rob Bonta released a trove of data on firearms in America's most populous state to the public in what he said was an effort to improve transparency on the topic. The Democrats' office took down the online dashboard after discovering it resulted in a massive data breach. Reporter Laura Hefeli of a Sacramento CBS affiliate went on to explain for Daybreak Insider just how much information was exposed.
8: This goes way beyond a simple filing error. The AG's office releasing a list of names, birthdays, gender, race, and home addresses of every single person in the state of California with a concealed carry weapons permit. This all happened last night after the AG released a website in the effort to be more transparent when it comes to gun safety. The website had in it uh, firearm safety information, record sales, and a link to a portal of concealed carry permit holders except when you clicked on that portal thousands of columns came up with all of that personal information included that i just mentioned now that website has since been taken down but too late victims already saw it
2: this man who has his information leaked in the data breach says he has a good reason to carry a gun. Even most of my family members do not know that I have a concealed weapons permit. I have a good reason to get it. I got it because my spouse
5: was being stalked by a violent abuser, and we had went through a lot of a process to get that many
0: years ago to provide us some peace of mind. So this, this what's happened here is, um, is just a terrible thing for the citizens. And, it, and really, it's really terrible that the attorney general hasn't stood up and, and apologized to the victims of this release.
2: Hafeli reads a statement put out by the California attorney general's office.
8: The DOJ seeks to balance its duties to provide gun violence and firearms data to support research efforts while protecting the personal identifying information in the data they collect. We did reach out to the AG to ask what happened. Here's what the AG's response was. Any unauthorized release of personal information is unacceptable. We are working swiftly to address the situation and will provide additional information as soon as possible.
2: Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio joined the Salem radio network later and said that taking away the rights of gun owners is exactly what Democrats have always wanted.
1: You do see the Democrats' motives. Their motive here is to simply take the Second Amendment away from uh, your Second Amendment liberties away from law abiding Americans. I mean, it, it's about getting your gun.
2: Jordan also says that after what he believes were authoritarian mandates during the pandemic, Americans shouldn't be surprised by these underhanded measures to violate the rights of gun owners.
1: For the longest time, there were places all across this country where a full congregation was not allowed to meet on a Sunday morning because of because of mandates from, from left-wing governors and mayors and, 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 and government. Um, uh, you know, your, your attack on free speech rights, your attack on, on your right to go to your own darn capital, Nancy Pelosi kept it closed for a year. You could even go in and petition your member of Congress So these attacks on your First Amendment rights, your free speech rights under the First Amendment, it shouldn't surprise us that now they're coming after your Second Amendment uh, liberties as well.
2: The Attorney General's office didn't disclose how many people may have been affected. Gun rights advocates quickly criticized the breach and said it put legal owners of firearms in danger. Two Secret Service agents are preparing to testify before Congress that then-President Donald Trump did not lunge at a steering wheel or assault them in an attempt to go to the Capitol during the January 6th riot. ABC's Chief Justice Correspondent Pierre Thomas said the agents are willing to put back on hearsay testimony that the former president tried to assault the Secret Service. Agents are prepared to give sworn testimony in relation to these new allegations. Two sources familiar with the investigation tell me that when President Trump returned to his motorcade after giving that speech on January 6, he requested that agents take him to the Capitol. Those sources told me that Robert Engel, one of the agents in the car, said something to the effect of that being unwise or dangerous, and that the motorcade was going to return the president to the White House. A source close to the Secret Service tells me that President Trump was apparently not happy with that answer, but the agents in the car would push back against any allegation of an assault by President Trump and the allegation that he reached for the steering wheel. The explosive allegations were made Tuesday by Cassidy Hutchinson, a former top aide to Trump White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. An overwhelming and growing majority of Americans say the U.S. is heading in the wrong direction, including 8 out of 10 Democrats. This is in a new poll that finds deep pessimism about the economy plaguing President Joe Biden's administration. Daybreak Insider's Josh Boak takes a look at the new polling numbers that seem to show that many people who are pessimistic about the nation's path cite A common
0: complaint. One theme that they kept coming back to was this sense that they were at the whims of whatever was going on in the world. Whether those were choices by Congress, the actions of Vladimir Putin, because they didn't feel that they had control in their lives, that was bringing them down.
2: Results from Tuesday's primary election showed that Democrat influence on Republican races paid off in some places, but not in many others. In Illinois, Governor J.B. Pritzker of the Democrat, spent $35 million to try and stop Mayor Richard Irvin of Aurora, a moderate Republican, while promoting Darren Bailey, who actually won the GOP primary for governor in that state. However, that tactic didn't work in Colorado, where a Democratic group spent nearly $4 million attacking Joe O'Day, construction executive who backs some abortion rights while trying to aid Ron Hanks. NBC's Mark Murray breaks down the notable winners and losers from Tuesday's primary, starting with the state of New York.
5: Lee Zeldin is going to be the Republican who's going to face off against incumbent Governor Kathy Hochul in the fall. Zeldin's a Republican congressman who's giving up his seat for, to run in this uh, race. And while the political wins are at the Republican Party's back right now, New York's going to be a really difficult state for the Republicans to be able to have success. So it'll be interesting to watch this contest, but Hope will goes into the general election against Zeldin as the uh, favorite.
2: Murray also took a look at results from the Colorado primary.
5: Democratic groups were airing ads saying that Ron Hankins, who is the really conservative candidate in this field, He's too conservative for Colorado to be able to boost him with conservative primary voters. uh, But also Democrats are just saying that's just kind of what what, what we view Hankins. Well, turns out the more moderate candidate Joe O'Day ended up winning this Republican primary. And O'Day is going to end up facing incumbent Democratic Senator Michael Bennett. And again, Colorado is a Democratic-leaning state. uh, But this still is a race worth watching, particularly if the political environment gets worse for Democrats.
2: Turning to Illinois. Murray says that races were influenced by redistricting.
5: This was a member-on-member race because of redistricting in Illinois. And Mary Miller, the uh, very conservative candidate who ended up getting Donald Trump's endorsement, ended up beating the more moderate Republican Rodney Davis. Rodney Davis ended up supporting a bipartisan commission to investigate January 6th. uh, And Miller ended up winning out. And it was one of the races in which we have seen where if Donald Trump does endorse a candidate in kind of an even-steven contest, that could end up helping. And it certainly ended up helping Miller last night in
2: Illinois. A leader of the U.S. Federal Communications Commission has said he has asked Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores over China-related data security concerns. The wildly popular short video app is owned by the Chinese company ByteDance, which faced U.S. scrutiny under President Donald Trump. Brendan Carr is a Republican member of the FCC and joined News Nation to discuss the steps he's taking to try and combat the use of the social media app by the Chinese Communist Party.
1: Well look, I'm deeply concerned about this. The the Biden administration has been undergoing a national security review of TikTok, but frankly that's been proceeding too slowly. So what I did was just went ahead and wrote directly. To Apple and Google and say, look, the misrepresentations that TikTok is engaging in terms of who can access your data, including engineers in Beijing, as you pointed out, is not consistent with their representations to get into the App Store. So while that national security review continues, Apple and Google should step up right now and boot them from the App Store for their misrepresentations about how your data is being accessed.
2: Carr says that the information gathered from TikTok goes back. To the Chinese government.
1: Yeah, I gave until July eighth to provide a response. There's no question that Apple and Google have deep ties into China, whether it's for manufacturing of the iPhone or Android. So they're in an interesting spot from that perspective. But I do think it's just to a straightforward application of their policy here, because look, this information is going back. The Chinese government is the world's best at using this data for nefarious purposes, whether it's blackmail, uh, business, espionage. foreign influence campaign. So we need to put an end to this.
2: Carr also says that even though the information is stored in the US, it's accessed in Beijing.
1: The Trump administration went down this path. Biden administration clawed it back. They are engaging in a a longer review and there's some bipartisan support. Actually Senator Schumer and Cotton were on a letter on this issue, but most people say, "Well, it's just a video. Who really cares?" But as you pointed out, it's getting search browsing history, it's getting keystroke patterns, location information. This is highly sensitive stuff. TikTok says, "Look, we store it in the U.S." Well, that's a, that's just misleading because it may be stored here, but it's being accessed uh, by engineers in Beijing. And as you pointed out, once it's accessed in China, there's no limit on how that information can be used.
2: Carr goes on to say that companies like Apple are exposing their hypocrisy by saying they stand for human rights, but, in his opinion, they do China's bidding. I
1: think there's, there's broad-based concerns um, about all sorts of uh, applications. I think there's a lot of people in Congress, including Senator Blackburn, that's looking at tightening some of this. And I think, you know, look, there's some real hypocrisy when it comes to Apple in particular. They'll get out there on the soapbox, talk about human rights and protecting privacy while they're literally doing the bidding of the communist regime, including censorship uh, inside their operations there in China.
2: The Federal Trade Commission is suing Walmart. In the lawsuit, the agency alleged that for years, Walmart failed to properly secure the money transfer services offered at its stores. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens has more on this developing story.
8: The agency says the lawsuit is due to Walmart allowing its money transfer services to be used by scam artists, who the agency says fleeced hundreds of millions of dollars from consumers. In the lawsuit, the FTC alleges that for years, Walmart failed to properly secure the money transfer services offered at its stores. The agency says Walmart didn't properly train its employees, failed to alert customers, and used procedures that allowed fraudsters to cash out at its stores. The FTC is asking the court to order Walmart to return money to consumers and impose civil penalties on the company. Walmart called the lawsuit factually flawed and legally baseless, Tasha Stevens reporting.
2: And finally, a team searching a Mississippi courthouse basement for evidence about the lynching of black teenager Emmett Till has found the unserved warrant charging a white woman in his 1955 kidnapping.
5: And breaking right now, a discovery in the nearly 70-year-old murder case of Chicago teenager Emmett Till. A team searching for evidence in Till's murder found an unserved arrest warrant in the basement of a Mississippi courthouse. That warrant charged a white woman in Till's 1955 kidnapping. The woman in question was... Uh, Carolyn Bryant Donham, who was married to one of the men acquitted in Till's murder. The team that made the discovery included two members of Till's family and the Till Legacy Foundation. Now the family is demanding that Donham be served and charged in the
2: case. Till was visiting relatives in Mississippi when he entered the store where Donham, then 21, was working August 24 of 1955. Donham testified later in court that Till grabbed her and made a lewd comment. Till's brutalized body was pulled from a river days later in another county. His mother's decision to open the casket so mourners in Chicago could see what had happened helped galvanize the budding civil rights movement at the time. Many experts suggest that arrest warrants can lose their enforcement due to a passage of time and one from 1955 most likely wouldn't pass muster before a current court, even if a sheriff agreed to serve it. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com.